Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Amen. Aren't you glad that everything can change whenever he walks into a room? Amen. Hearts can be mended. Declare healing, which is a declaration we need to be making. Amen. Around here. Amen. Declare it. Don't have to ask for it. Just declare it. Amen. It's already spoken in his word. Amen. So it can be a declaration tonight of that word. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm glad to see you here. Amen. Glad to see you here. Absolutely. Amen. In the house of the Lord. Amen. We're praying for all of those that are sick and afflicted and conflicted. <laughs> Amen. Tonight in the house of the Lord. Amen. And beyond tonight. I'm going to turn to Ezekiel chapter number one. Ezekiel chapter number one. Now I will tell you this. That uh, if, if I could um, in any way predict who's going to be here, who's not going to be here, or the number, let me tell you this. I never plan any differently. I'm going to plan exactly the same way as if I'm preaching for a thousand or if I'm preaching for ten. And so I never plan any differently. It's not like if I know it's going to be smaller, I go play golf and then we'll just come in here and just halfway do it. No. I, I am just, it's just going to be the way it is every time. And so I'm just here tonight. I felt excited in my office this week leading up to the word of the Lord, what I think that the Lord would share with us. And hopefully it will be of some benefit to people that are here and those that are watching online tonight. Ezekiel chapter number one. I want to read the first three verses there. The Bible says, now it came to pass in the 13th year, in the fourth month, in the fifth day of the month, as I was among the captives by the river of Chabar, that the heavens were opened and I saw visions of God. In the fifth day of the month, which was the fifth year of King Jehoiachin's captivity, the word of the Lord came expressly unto Ezekiel the priest, the son of Buzi, or Buzi, in the land of the Chaldeans by the river Chabar. And the hand of the Lord was there upon him. I'm skipping all the way down to the very last verse of this chapter. And the Bible says, and as the appearance of the bow that is in the cloud in the day of rain, so was the appearance of the brightness round about. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it, I fell upon my face and I heard a voice of one that spake. With the help of the Holy Ghost tonight, I want to speak this, amen, from the word of the Lord. Living under an open heaven. Living under an open heaven. Amen. Can we go to the Lord in prayer this evening and ask God to help us? Father, we love you. God, I appreciate you this evening, God, and I know, Lord, God, that you're not surprised, God, by things, Lord Jesus, God, or by dilemmas of life. God, we come here tonight to worship, and we have come here tonight, Lord, to adore. We've come here, Lord, tonight, God, to make you the center of the focus, oh, Lord Jesus, of our gathering. I pray, oh, God, let your word go forth and do that which it was sent to accomplish in the lives of those that are here and those, oh, Lord, God, through, Lord, Facebook Live. I pray, oh, God, for your anointing upon my mind 
Lorraine, help me, oh Lord, today, God, to have acceptable words as Solomon oftentimes asked, Lord Jesus, in order to share and declare, God, unto your people. And I will not fail to thank you and praise you, God, when I return to my seat, God, for what you have done in the lovely name of the Lord Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen and amen. And the church say amen. 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 You may be seated tonight, living under an open heaven. Ezekiel in this first chapter or even in the entirety of this book is coming to us as an exile in Babylon along the river of Chabar as noted in the first three verses. He is among a community of captives here. This is the Babylonian captivity that we read of in the word of the Lord that lasted for 70 years. And Ezekiel tells us in verse number two that it was the fifth year of King Jehoiachin's captivity, which so happened to also be Ezekiel's fifth year of captivity as well. Ezekiel had been born during the time of revival and reform of King Josiah. Whenever the Bible says in the book of Chronicles that they had stumbled upon the discovery of the book of the law that had been lost. As a result of that, Josiah read of that book and he found several things that they were not holding up to or doing. And so there was a revival and a reform that took place across the nation of Israel as a result of that. And it was during that time of revival and that time of reform that, that Ezekiel was born in that type of situation. But today... He finds himself among the captives. He was a priest. The Bible declares he was the son of a priest. But today, he's a captive. His parents rightly named him Ezekiel, meaning may God strengthen or may God toughen because he's presently in a situation that he's faced with some difficult days that are ahead. Not only him, but all the captives that are around him where he resides with. They are in the land, the Bible says, of the Chaldeans or the land of Chaldee or Babel, the Babel that we know of from Genesis chapter 11. Historically, this great place, this great region is a power of Babylon that we have read of in our Bibles. Let me remind you for a moment concerning the condition of the minds of those that are stationed by the rivers of Babylon and the canals of such as Chabar. The Bible says in the Psalms, Psalms 137 and verses 1 through 4, by the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. We wept when we remembered Zion. We hanged our harps upon the willows in the midst thereof. For there they that carried us away captive required of us a song. And they that wasted us required of us mirth, saying, Sing us one of those, one of the songs of Zion. How, they said, shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? It is quite a de deplorable, if you will, sing by the rivers of Babylon. They sat down there. They wept there. They remembered Zion there. They hanged their harps there. They remembered being carried away and wasting, amen, by the people, by the river, asking that they would sing a song of mirth and gladness and in their mind estimation, they're thinking, how in the world can we sing the Lord's song in such a predicament? How in the world can we sing the Lord's song in such a land? That just carries a lot of weight because singing 
and music is integral part of the Jewish community. Some have even posed among the Jews the question this, that without music would they even be Jewish? Amen. The captives admitted here by the river of Chabar, the rivers of Babylon, that they hung their harps on the willows. They stopped their singing. They stopped their song. They stopped their music. Jeremiah the prophet had prophesied of a day that their adversary would come and that he would take from them the voice of mirth, the Bible says. And seemingly in Ezekiel's day, that day had arrived. Jeremiah prophesied in chapter 25 and 10. He said, moreover, I will take from them the voice of mirth and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride, the sound of the millstones and the light of the candle. With so much, if you can imagine, with so much taken away from them, how in the world could they sing the song of Zion in such a strange land? Babylon was strange to them. It was predominantly a land that was flat. It was predominantly a land that had nothing but a sandy plain that was marked by great rivers and a canal system all throughout. Babylon was a place that had immensely walled cities and it had exceeding tall temple towers that were created for pagan gods. That's quite different from the land they came from. They came from a hilly land. They came from a wooden land among Palestine. How in the world can we sing a song of Zion in this foreign land, strange land to us? When they were taken from Jerusalem, the Bible lets us know clearly that they were removed from their temple. They were removed from their city where God's glory had oftentimes expressed itself. They were taken from where God's name was placed and put upon that city and upon that temple and where his presence would manifest itself. As a prophet among the captives, Ezekiel now being among them is faced with an audience as a prophet with people that are sitting before him and standing before him. These people are disillusioned. These people are perhaps cynical. These people are perhaps bitter and they are angry because whenever they left Jerusalem and were made to leave, they had to walk for months in order to get to Babylon. From Jerusalem to Babylon is about a 700 mile journey. They had rocks and pebbles that hurt their feet and the journey alone would have caused some to die along the way. Many of the people of Israel were killed along the journey. Some of them were killed by the Babylonian army. Others suffered death because of famine and disease and wild animals. Some were a captive by themselves because before they ever left Jerusalem they saw their husband or their wife slaughtered. They saw their children taken and put at the stake of the sword. There were others that were anxious not knowing amen what happened to their wife? What happened to their husband? What happened to their children? And they are saying, how in the world can we sing such a song of mirth? Amen. In a strange land. 
It doesn't appear, just walk with me here for a moment. It doesn't appear that they were totally imprisoned or totally enslaved in Babylon. Jeremiah said they were to build houses and live in them. They were to plant vineyards and they were to eat of them. But that does not take away from the oppressiveness of not being home, not being where they were comfortable, not being where they, amen, were usually at, the place that they had grown up around and about. Amen. And although it seems, this is from history. Although it seems that they had these a measure of association and organizations and groups and communities such as the community that Ezekiel was a part of by the river of Babylon, it had to be much more limited than what they were used to. They couldn't just congregate and be around one another like they used to. Sometimes the Bible says the elders would come into Ezekiel's home and he would speak to them, but it still wasn't like them gathering at the temple. The Bible says that sometimes they were at the river of Babylon there at Chabar together, but still it was somewhat limited. It was some type of squelching compared to what they were used to. When we talk about Ezekiel, there were about several different deportations to Babylon. Ezekiel was a part of the second. And whenever he was taken away, he was a part of the deportation that took place of the social elite. What that means is the high governing officials, people that had uh, clout and had some type of high office in the city of Jerusalem, they are those that went away in the second deportation from Jerusalem, and Ezekiel was among them. And so these people, think with me for a moment, they are not just suffering being moved from their home to a foreign land but they are experiencing a social death as well because they're stripped of all of their previous social identity. The high class, the high office, the high, whatever it was that they served in that was of clout, now they don't have that. Now in Babylon they are forced to work the field. In Babylon they're forced to be farmers in agriculture. In Babylon they're forced to be some type of craftsman of, of wood or of stone in Babylon. So here's a people that had a high society status, but now at Babylon they've been disempowered and they are now the dominated minority. There's a sense of loss that they are dealing with. They've been dislocated, amen, from their homeland. And you got to understand there's got to be, Sister Grace, a psychological mark upon their mind simply from experiencing defeat and being carried away and all the upheaval of their life, what they knew to be life was turned upside down. Historians say that there could have not have been a more effective way to remind the Jews that they had been conquered than to remove them from their homeland as exiles and place them along the river of Chabar. Because now in this new location, they're not allowed to leave. They're not allowed to go home. They have no political rights. If I could say it like this, the poorest member that's a part of the community of Babylon was above and better off than a Jew from Jerusalem. They had no political rights. And so the malady of the situation perhaps is even better described in Ezekiel just a few chapters later where Ezekiel describes, amen, the Israelites saying this. They said, our bones are dried up 
and hope is lost and we are clean or completely cut off. That's how they felt. Having been taken from their land, taken from the presence, if you will, of their God, taken from everything that was normative, amen, and reality for them for years. Now they're by the rivers of Babylon. They are a lesser class of people. They can't gather like they used to gather. They don't have a temple that they can go to. They're saying our bones are dried up. Hope is lost. We've been cut off from our God. We've been cut off from our land. Someone say amen. I'll agree with him and tell you tonight that there are times along the way when it seems like we've been taken away at times from the very presence of God. There are modes of life where it seems we count our losses because there are no apparent blessings to count. Our song has been silenced. Our light has been extinguished. We placed our harps, if you will, on the willows because we're living in an impossible time for making any type of music that we used to make. So somebody say hallelujah. I believe sometimes we are living in circumstances and situations of life that make us to believe, amen, that we can't go on and we can't trace the finger of God and we can't trace the doings of God. They're difficult moments. We can't see God in the bad. We're used to seeing him in the good. And so we can't notice him in the negative, amen. And for that matter, this has been a long journey. It's taken me a long time to get to Babylon. The damages have been significant. I've been demoted. I've been demoralized. I've been depressed. We're not where we used to be. Things are not like they used to be. And all hope that anything would change is lost. Someone say amen. And we begin to identify with the psalmist when he said in Psalms 10.1, why standest thou afar off, O Lord? Why hidest thy face in times of trouble? And I'll admit to you in this Christian life, there are times often it looks like nothing is happening. Huh? And in some situations, nothing happening is almost worse than if something bad would happen. It seems like there is no voice, there is no word, there is no reprieve. I've come to tell this congregation tonight, things are not all as they always appear. The Bible says in verse number one through three that it was the fifth year of their captivity. And Ezekiel writes, as he was among the captives by the river of Shabar, he said, I was there among them. I was a captive too. I was in the land of Chaldea. I was in Babylon just like they were. This is a fifth year of our captivity. We've already suffered what we suffered for the past five years, including the journey to get here. But with the same pen, he said, I was a captive. With the same pen, he said, amen, this is our fifth year. Amen, of being a captive. He explained to them, then I saw the heavens open and I saw visions of God and I felt the hand of the Lord upon I'm saying it might be bad. It might not be favorable. It might not look good. But honey, everything changes. It doesn't matter your circumstance. It doesn't matter your surrounding. But when you understand you're living under an open heaven,
Someone say amen. Woo! He said the heavens were open. Ezekiel 3, 12 through 14, somewhere around there, 13 through 14, NIV says this. You read, please go home, homework. Go home and read like the first three chapters of Ezekiel. He said, the heavens were open. I saw visions of God. I felt the hand of the Lord upon me. And he says, I heard behind me a loud rumbling sound as the glory of the Lord rose from the place where it was standing. And it was the sound of the wings of living creatures. Someone say amen. I'm here to tell you tonight, when you read the first chapter in particular of Ezekiel, it is a description, quite elaborate description, almost a hard description even to wrap your mind around with everything that's explained and described, but it is a description of God's glory. I'm here to tell you tonight that Ezekiel could have opened his book and right from the go, he could have begun to explain to us about their dilemma. He could have begun to explain to us, amen, how they felt separated from their parts and separated from their country but rather than telling us about their dilemma he says the spirit wanted me to tell them that while I was at the river of Chabar in Babylon the heavens opened and I saw the very throne room of God God wants me to point out that when it was bad it wasn't all bad when it wasn't good it wasn't totally not good the heavens were open Someone say amen. Read the description. The Bible says he saw a whirlwind. He saw a cloud. He saw fire. He saw brightness. The Bible describes, you can read it, it's quite bizarre, really. But the Bible says he saw four living creatures. Each creature had four faces. One was the face of a man, the other the face of a lion, the other the face of an eagle, and the other the face of an ox. Hey man, he's describing all this. He talks about these creatures having wings and that they could fly. And under their wings were the hands of humans. And these things had wheels. And he spoke about a wheel in the middle of the wheel. And all these wheels had eyes. That's quite bizarre. And every time Ezekiel was describing this, and it's quite lengthy, and this isn't the only place that he describes it. But when he's describing this, he's always relating something he saw to something else so that we can relate to it. He describes, well, you know, it's like this. Or it's like that. It's like he couldn't almost explain what he saw. But he knew what he was experiencing and what he was witnessing was the presence of the Lord. He said, I might not be able to put it in in terms just properly about what I'm experiencing right now. Read chapter number one. But I know without doubt what it is, is God's presence. Where are you, Ezekiel? I'm among the captives by the river in Babylon. He describes all these things. He says, let me tell you what I'm seeing. Let me tell you what I'm feeling. If I can just be Ezekiel for a moment, amen, let me just speak for him. I believe Ezekiel, if he could tell us, hey, hey, listen, what I'm feeling here, what I'm experiencing here is what I felt in Jerusalem and what I've seen in Jerusalem. What are you saying? He said, I'm experiencing the same God here that I experienced over there. I'm having the same feeling here that I felt when we were over presence of God. 
You talk about you talk about cherubim, four living things and four faces and things of that. My mind races to the cherubim that were on each side of the mercy seat where God told Moses, he said, I'll show up in the middle of them in a cloud. My presence will be there. They were like, if you will, the foundation of his presence. And we find in Ezekiel these four living beings and their wheels and all that thing above them. Above them, it seems to be the presence of the Lord. Some describe it as though a description of God's throne chariot because it had the ability to move. And his presence was hovering over it. Note, Ezekiel later has a vision of the house of the Lord. Later in Ezekiel. He has a vision of the house of the Lord. And in that vision, what he is seeing is the presence of the Lord that is leaving the temple. All right? He describes in no uncertain terms this same throne chariot type of thing he did in chapter number 1. But the glory of God is leaving it. It's going from the threshold to the east gate, from the east gate to hovering over Jerusalem, from Jerusalem to the Mount of Olives, and finally being east of the city totally. But listen to me. For our purposes... The point of this that he describes in chapter 10 of Ezekiel. The point isn't that the divine glory was leaving Jerusalem in that vision. But the point for our purposes is this. That is that there at the Lord's house what Ezekiel saw. And what he described was the very same presence and attendance of glory that he saw. At the river Jabbar. As a matter of fact, later when he's seeing the house of God, he says on three different times, he says, these are the living creatures that I saw by the river Jabbar. You know what he's saying? The presence that is at God's house is the presence that's here. We want to put God in a box. We want him to operate only in certain means, in certain fashions, in certain ways. We want to put limits on God. We want to put a start and finish on God. Ezekiel said, no, 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 no. The God that I've seen at the house of God is the God that I see in Babylon. Oh, yes. That can happen when you live under an open heaven. Someone say amen. Kind of reminds me of the story of Jacob. He's fleeing from home. He comes to Luz, later known to Bethel. He's had the vision of the ladder to heaven. And he says when he wakes up, how dreadful is this place? But he says, surely the presence of the Lord is here. And I knew it not. He says, this is the gate of heaven. He said, this is bad, desolate, desolate place. Dreadful place. But wait, there's something here. That I would have never guessed in a thousand times would be here. It's God's presence. Desolate place, God's presence? How? Because there's an open heaven. That Jacob already had a vision of. I'm here to tell you what Ezekiel learned in his visions. What Ezekiel learned in the heavens being open. What Ezekiel learned. Ladies and gentlemen, when that hand that he felt of God upon him, he learned this. That God is not far off, regardless of where you may be. Huh? 
In the book of Job, the Sabians took the 500 yoke of oxen he had and the 500 she asses he had. In the book of Job, the fire fell down and took the 7,000 sheep that he had. And the Chaldeans came and took the 3,000 camels that he had. A great wind came, the Bible says, amen, and tipped over the house where his sons and daughters were making merry. And he lost his seven, done, seven uh, sons and three daughters. And the Bible says in Job 23 and verse 3, Job says, oh, that I knew where I might find him that I might come even to his seat you know what he's saying things are bad and I don't think God is anywhere around things are not things are not in my favor and I don't think God is anywhere around he said in verse 8 behold I go forward but he is not there backward but I cannot perceive him on the left hand where he doth work normally but I cannot behold him he hideth himself on the right hand and I cannot see him you know what he's saying oh I'm in a bad case right here. I'm in a bad situation right here. Things are bad right now. God's not here. God's nowhere to be found. And he finally said in verse 6, he said, will he plead against me? In other words, will God plead against me with his great power? And Job emphatically says, no, but he would put strength in me. You know what he's saying? Even in my worst trial, even when I'm down on my luck, even when it feels like he's no around, if God is here, God is going to strengthen me if the heavens would open if the clouds would part if they would break the chasm of the starry sky God would strengthen me I'm here to tell somebody tonight that God is not far off. Even when it seems like our location is removed from where God typically works. Amen. And where we've witnessed his glory before. God is not far off. Paul stands in Athens on Mars Hill. In Acts chapter number 17. He stands in a foreign land. And he reassures those hearers. God be not far from every one of us. Yes, your land is littered with altars. And yes, they are littered, amen, to every imaginable deity under the sun. Amen. And you've got an altar even unto the unknown God. He says, but I'm telling you in this foreign land, amen, that the heavens are open and God is not far, amen, from you. Ezekiel realizes in his own book in an instant that God, God is not confined to that temple in Jerusalem. God is not confined to that temple in Jerusalem. He's not confined to a particular setting or a particular environment. He understood God's name may have been on Jerusalem and God's name may have been placed upon the temple, but his presence can't be anywhere because the heavens were opened by the river Chabar and he was among the captives. I'm here to tell you tonight, God doesn't just exist at the church. He doesn't just exist in the prayer room. He doesn't just exist at 1121 Cedar Street. I'm here to tell you tonight, he's just not confined here. His presence can go anywhere even by the rivers of Chabar in your captivity. Patmos is a small rocky barren area. Many criminals of Rome were sent to serve out their prison terms there. Harsh conditions of course. There were mines on mines on the island of Patmos. It wasn't very big. It was a barren land. 
Criminals were forced to work in those mines. This was the lot that John in the book of Revelation found himself. He was an exile as well, the Bible says. But John said, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. In another place he said, immediately I was in the spirit. Saying, Brother McGee, I'm saying God is not far off. If there's anything, this thing's cutting in and out, so just bear with me. Amen. If there's anything else, amen, that Ezekiel learned, amen, in his experience of the open heaven and by the rivers of Jabbar, it was this, not only is God not far, but God, listen to me clearly, is on the move. The living creatures that he saw attached to this throne and the wheels that he saw attached to them and all of these things that were attached to the presence of God almost being attendance of God amen and representing the glory of God the Bible describes in that first chapter that wherever the spirit would go those living creatures would go wherever the spirit would go those wheels would take them and they would row and they would go these attendants of God's glory they move when the spirit moves and where the spirit goes they go they go according to your Bible they would go without having to turn they would all just go straight. They could go straight north, straight south, straight east, or straight west. They didn't have to turn. They just had to go. There were no detours with it. There were no scenic routes with it. Because when God decides to move in any direction, he doesn't have to turn around. He doesn't have to back up. All he has to do is go. The Bible says their movements were straight and their timing was in an instant. That's the value of an open heaven. The Bible says these living creatures that are attached to the throne of God, the attendance of his glory, the purpose of God, they can move in any direction. Not only that, they can see in any direction. Ezekiel said that everything that he took in in verse 28, all of it, that this was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And so even the movement, what it told him, I'm by the rivers of Babylon, but God's not far, and God is on the move. We've been here for five years in captivity, but the open heaven just revealed to me when I thought he was doing nothing, he up to something. When I thought it was stationary, stagnant, and immobile. God's spirit is on the move because God had the ability to go anywhere, in any direction, at any time, even in Babylon. I challenge you tonight, go home. I've done it. I've read through the Bible several times. Every time I read through the Gospel of Mark, in most translations, I'm always amazed. And sometimes I find myself doing the same thing that I did the first time I ever noticed it. And as I read read through Mark, I underline or I highlight every. I see the word immediately appearing in the book of Mark. Try it sometime. Next time you read the gospel of Mark, underline, circle, whatever you got to do. Every time the word immediately shows up, it's almost like a key word or a key phrase in the gospel of Mark. I read just for example some of these things that immediately the fever left her and immediately the leprosy departed from him and immediately he rose and took up his bed. That's just a small sampling. The book of Mark is a description. It is an illustration that our God is an instant God. 
Our God has the ability to be on time when on time is needed. Our God can act and react. And Ezekiel, even in Babylon, scholar and preacher John Piper said it like this, God is always doing 10,000 things in your life and you may be aware of three of them. Someone say amen. And so when we're stationed as captives at the edge of a foreign river, we got to understand that God is on the move more than we understand or even can perceive that he's on the move. Conditions might not be favorable. We may feel like our personal contribution is very little. Huh? You ever been in that place like, God, I'd like to help or do something, but I'm just here. Let me tell you, in those moments, you can be similar to the nation of Israel as they stood at the brink of the Red Sea when Moses said, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Israel seemingly couldn't do anything, couldn't go forward, couldn't go backward, encompassed even on each side of them with mountains. They could do nothing, it would seem, but face the sea and their leader stretch out an arm and raise a rod and yet the Bible says in the doing of so that a strong east wind blew all night and caused the waters to divide hither and thither and made the sea dry land. I know we pictured as though it happened instantaneously. Maybe it do. I, I, can't, I can't argue with anything, but evidently it had to keep blowing all night in order to get them across to the other side. What are you saying? I'm trapped. I can't do anything. I can't contribute anything. It doesn't look hopeful. Hold on though. I'm in a bad case, but I live under an open heaven. And now I feel a wind blowing. I feel a wind blowing. It's coming from the east, I see ground appearing, dry ground, living under an open heaven. He can move at any time, in any direction, in an instant. And this vision that Ezekiel had of God's throne, this throne chariot type of thing, this presence gave a different perspective to him. Because God wasn't stuck or regulated to the building and temple in Jerusalem. God even could, if he desired, to move even among a godless nation like Babylon. Living under open heaven reveals that God isn't far. I'm not typically a three-point in a sermon type guy, but it just works today. He's not far. He's a God that's on the move. But the same spirit he witnesses, he also realized this under open heaven. That the spirit will mobilize you. It's not just that he's not far, and it's not just that he's on the move, but he has the power to mobilize you. At two different occasions. Homework, read it. First three chapters, I'm telling you. On two different occasions, just in the first three chapters, and there are several others beyond chapter number three. If you can't tell, I'm in Ezekiel right now doing some reading. I'm somewhere around chapter 40, so I've read quite a bit of it. 
here just recently, so it's fresh in my head. On two different occasions, the Bible says, this is just in the first three chapters, that the Spirit lifted Ezekiel up. That's the wording. You see that several other places beyond chapter 3. As a matter of fact, in one of the first places, God told Ezekiel, this is the commandment of the Lord. God told Ezekiel, stand up, Ezekiel. And Sister Malin, Ezekiel didn't roll over on the side and stand up. You know what the Bible says? God said, stand up. And then it says, and then the Spirit entered him and raised him on his feet. I'm I'm at River of Chabar. I've done hung my harp on the willow. There's no gladness. There's no mirth. There's no candle. There's no light. And God's telling me to get up. I don't have any forthrightness in me to do it. I don't have no desire to do it. I'm depressed. But God's telling me to get up. But Ezekiel, you're living under an open heaven. God's not far from you. God's on the move. And what he's commissioned you to do, he can empower you to do. He told you to get up, but the Spirit's about ready to enter in you and raise you up on your on your feet. Can I tell you tonight that God will enable you by his spirit to do what he asked us to do. I don't know, listen to pastor tonight. I don't know what your position is. I don't know if you're lying down. I don't know if you're crawling. I don't know if you're sitting I don't know what it is nevertheless the spirit of God can empower you and lift you up even along the rivers of Babylon remember McGee but I'm living in this world welcome to the party at least you're not in a third world country welcome to the party I realize I live in this world but while living in this world I can live under an open heaven I can live in the valley even for several months brother Fred but I can live in that valley and also live under an open heaven I can live with all opposition and adversary against me at times in life that's all right. but what I realize in the middle of that I can still live under an open heaven where God's not far and he's moving and he has the ability to empower me Stand with me. I won't worry you. You need some health to be able to do what you need to do this morning. At different places in the book of Ezekiel, he is described as carried back to the river of Shabar as though he had been away in his vision, being carried to Jerusalem, we read. He'd been carried and seen some of the displays and seen the temple measured like in verses chapter 40 and beyond. Very detailed stuff. He's carried here and there. These things at Jerusalem, he's been taken back to the river of Jabbar. And so the amazing thing is this. He's stationed, his fleshly feet is stationed in Babylon. But God's moving him and mobilizing him through an open heaven. He's taking him back home and back to Jabbar. He's taking him to the temple and back to the church. God has the ability, regardless of the surroundings, 
to mobilize us. A verse that we love in the door and I love in the door will not stop doing as Romans 8, 11, but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also, someone say quicken, that means to arouse, that means to invigorate, that means to make alive. He will quicken your mortal. That's a body that's liable to death. That's a body that's liable to die. But he says he'll quicken us, the mortal bodies, by his spirit that dwelleth in us. And you've heard me say it a thousand times, and I'm sorry, the, the odor I get, it seems like there's certain things I repeat, and so maybe you'll get it by the time I die. But that quickening just isn't rapture. That quickening is the here and now. His spirit can mobilize me. Not just when the trumpet sounds. His spirit can mobilize me when I've, when I've given up and have hung my harp. When I don't feel glad and when the candle has burned low and even out. His spirit, because I live under an open heaven. Can mobilize this old flesh. Because God's not far from me. And God's on the move. And God can mobilize Paul McGee. Someone say glory. So where are you at tonight? Are you despondent? Are you depressed? Are you demoralized? Huh? Have you been taken advantage of? Have you been demoted? Has the song and the music of your life just went to a, a dull roar? Is it just not conducive right now for a song? Do you feel helpless in contributing to any escape on your own? Are you looking all around you and it's just doing nothing but confirming what you're already thinking and feeling? This is a hopeless case. Our bones are dry. All hope is lost. I challenge you, take a moment from looking around and look up and see if you're living under an open heaven. Because you might see the visions of God. And in that moment, you might feel the touch of his hand. And see, he's not far. He's on the move, though you may not perceive it. And he is going to empower you to do what needs to be done in your life, in your circumstance. Can we raise our hands all across this place right now? We're living under an open heaven today. Ezekiel didn't start out by telling us the woes. He started out by telling us about the wonder. Fifth year captive. Let me tell you about an open heaven. We've been here five years and we've, we've done crops and we're not used to that. And we've, we've done stones and wood and we're not used to that. But in all of that, the heavens were open. And all of that, I felt the presence. And, and all of that, I've noticed something here that I even noticed back home in the temple. And it's the presence of the Lord.
It's the glory of the Lord. I think sometimes with the scripture, the Bible talks about how the nation of Israel looked toward the wilderness, that which were where, where the fiery serpents were and where they lacked food and where they lacked water and all the different negative things that we could even consider throughout the wilderness journey that happened. And the Bible says, whenever, this is in your Bibles, Old Testament, that whenever they looked at the wilderness, that they seen there above and in the wilderness was the glory of the Lord. What's going on? They were a people, though they had their struggles, they were living under an open these altars are open tonight for whosoever will. For those that are listening at home tonight, you can make your altar right there in your recliner, on your couch where you're sitting. You may not feel well enough to bend down, but you can make your altar right there. And I want to tell you tonight, even where you are right now tonight, you need to cast your eyes upward. You live in a world, you live in an environment, you, and you could, you could detail it and, and do all the lines about what it is and what's happening, what's going on and how horrific, and it's probably true. But are you living, are you living under the... A open heaven. If so, be reassured God's not far. He's on the move. And he'll empower you. <sighs> he'll mobilize you. Even wherever it is that you're presently, your feet may presently be stationed. Because I have a God and I serve a God of an open heaven. Oh, somebody cry out to him right now. Somebody cry out to the Lord right now. Oh, I love you, Jesus. Oh, hey, yes, God. Hallelujah. Let's talk to him. Hallelujah. As we begin to close this service, let's talk to him. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.